Welcome to this episode of the Whip 12 podcast. Uh, I'm Logan. I'm joined today by Ollie. And today we're going to be doing the second episode of our game theory and design discussion uh, around infinity. Uh, mm-hmm. say, say hello, Ollie. Yeah, hi. It's, uh, it's good to be here again. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Uh, we were just talking about if this uh, episode had a sponsor. And I think we both agree that this episode's brought to you by making things more complicated than they needed to be. Um, definitely yeah so uh quick recap here uh last time we talked about some of the core tenets of game theory in particular one of the big ideas of absolute versus uh, relative advantage um and infinity is like just baked in absolute advantages and then just relative advantages uh the absolute advantages of course are the thing that is always better um you know the best shooter in the game uh, and the relative advantages, both in your own uh, list building and then also in your comparative lists between you and your opponent. Um, last mm-hmm. episode really focused on just kind of broad view game theory discussion. Um, today we're going to drill into the core mechanics of Infinity. We're not going to look at army lists yet. Um, that'll be the next episode where we just kind of cruise through each of the armies and then some of the different theories and stuff that are put there. Today, we're just going to talk about infinity and some of the, the core tenets uh, and some of the things that maybe we don't spend a whole lot of time thinking about. Um, I know in particular, um, I've been trying to find the things that aren't explicit uh, and make them explicit so everyone is aware of it uh, and then start getting into the thing that everybody likes to focus on, which is uh, like weapons, uh, profiles, what do you dodge or do you shoot back uh, in the ARO system, <clears throat> things like that. So um, in general, I believe it could we can agree that uh, Infinity is a game about in- efficiency. Every game, um, board game, video game, tabletop war game, there is a limited number of opportunities for success. Um, those opportunities for success in Infinity are called your orders, and how you develop your order pool um, is based off of how you build your list. In mm-hmm. other games, um, the number of activations you have is limited usually by the number of units you bring. Each unit activates once, um, and then they move around the table, and they shoot, and they do whatever. Um, the interesting piece to Infinity is you can have the Rambo effect, where... You can take these things called regular orders and just spend them on any unit uh, to make them go forward and uh, be super aggressive and push buttons to win you objective points or kill opponents. Um, Fundamentally, uh, and uh, I believe, Ollie, you had written an article about this, about you only have so many opportunities. um, And it could be thought that if you have a 15 model list, you have three turns with 15 mm-hmm. models, three turns at 15 orders apiece. You basically have a maximum of 45 regular right. orders um, with three uh, lieutenant orders, not including irregulars, uh, adding things like impetuous. Yeah, that's right. Um, and then maybe adding in the lieutenant as well, depending on like your list and things. Some factions will and others won't. Um. For sure, or you yeah. know, special skills like NCO and, and things like that. Um, the other thing yeah. that can be uh, held to be true, though, is that this game is one of attrition. Um, you're trying to <laughs> remove your opponent's pieces before your opponent can remove yours. 
Um, right. So at best, you have 48 uh, scoring opportunities. Um, mm-hmm. Although, uh, depending on how boards are set up, depending on what type of list people are bringing, I certainly find that when I play a more aggressive list, um, mm-hmm. I end up with uh, maybe three to four less models by the time turn two comes around. Um, yeah. Which leads to the discussion of this entire episode, which is efficiency. And to get to the mm-hmm. conversation around efficiency, we only have like 11 things we have to talk about to understand where efficiency inside of infinity comes from. Mm-hmm. So first off, uh, let's talk about um, the order pool, where the orders come from, and some of the taxes that you pay for going with it. So right. in the last episode, we talked about uh, symmetric uh, and asymmetric games. Infinity mm-hmm. is a air quotes symmetric game where both players are given the same opportunity to build a list using the same number of points. Um, points are a way to level the board, um, but there are implicit assumptions around why you pay for what you pay for. It mm-hmm. it, it can be said that your everyone's baseline trooper. Uh, hovers somewhere around the 10 to 15 point, maybe 20 points range, where you have a BS in and around, uh, I would say probably a maximum of 12 if you're Pano, maybe closer to 10 mm-hmm. if you're anybody else. Um, mm-hmm. And that provides you a regular order, a rifle if you're Ariadna, or a combi rifle if you're everybody else. Yeah. Um, And then really, uh, the way that I look at it is I just look at uh, the taxes going above or below that. Um, Generally, yeah. yeah. Um, And so if you you get a discount, if it's uh, an irregular, um, and the irregular, of course, can only spend that irregular order on the individual model unless you use a command token. Um, Yeah. Or you get a discount if they're impetuous. Uh, and the impetuous yeah. is very interesting um, because that's that's free movement. And typically, impetuous units go very quick. Um, yeah. One of my favorite things are the motorcycles right now. Uh, but that's because they're generally quite cheap. They get the discount mm-hmm. because they may not have a super great um, BS uh, or come with a lot of interesting skills. But what they can do is go 12 inches um, mm-hmm. in one order. Uh, or they yeah. bring smoke grenades or whatever it is. So in a yeah, <clears throat> some can go like fourteen as well. Um, yeah, depending right. on the motorcycle. Yeah, yeah. so they're pretty fast. Um, impetuous is really interesting to me because like it's a points cut. Like impetuous troops, are, uh, impetuous troops are cheaper, but they're actually more efficient in a lot of ways because you get that second order, mm-hmm. um, sort of a second order. Um, yeah. Exactly. So impetuous is very interesting because when you look at uh, the size of the board, you can actually get pretty far in terms of a percentage <laughs> uh, for free. So, yeah, impetuous. You know, we know that it's a forty-eight by forty-eight inch board. Uh, if we assume a straight line, which impetuous has to do, um, if it's uh, you put it, you know, in general, everybody gets to the twelve-inch uh, range. So for yeah. one impetuous order, you can put your motorcycle that goes 12 inches or 16 inches at or beyond the halfway point, which is a lot. Um, yeah. And that's so, usually where objectives are. 
Right. And the the particularly interesting thing to me as well is that like an infinity board isn't actually 48 inches um, functionally because you deploy at 12 and your opponent deploys like close to around 12 as well. So actually the no man's land in between you is 24 inches, mm-hmm. like not 48. Yeah. Um, and that means if you have a motorcycle that's impetuous in forwards 14 inches, you've cleared almost the entirety of the no man's land between yourself and the opponent for free with an impetuous order. Well, the vast majority of it, anyway. <laughs> no, ab- absolutely. Um, and it's there. There is something to be said for just free movement. And anytime you get something for free, pay very close attention to that in any game. Mm-hmm. If if the game like Infinity talks about efficiency, uh, then something for free is infinitely more efficient than anything else. Um, I, but like do you the thing the thing about impetuous and efficiency is that like in theory the downside is supposed to be that it makes all of your face-to-face rolls less efficient because you can't claim cover mm-hmm. um but of course this often ends up being um a kind of not very impactful downside because the active turn is so favored anyway it doesn't exactly. matter exactly you can catch your opponent out of cover yes. with like smart positioning so you you know neither of you have it and lastly a lot of impetuous troops are good in close combat so you, you you're not going to stand in cover and gunfight you're going to walk towards them and close them down in cc mm-hmm. <clears throat> well or even just uh impetuous with a template um, right, and we'll, absolutely. We'll break down uh, templates like a little bit further down, but you, you are correct in that um, the downside, the tax uh, that is applied to impetuous is well, you don't get cover, and in a lot of cases, people go, "Okay, <laughs> sure, sure, yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah. all right." Like um, in the USA Ariadna episode, I talked about desperados uh, at eight points with a plus one burst assault pistol. I kind of don't care if I don't get cover. Um, if I can threaten and bring smoke grenades to the middle of the board to protect the rest of my army coming through. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, anyways, that's just uh, a note on Impetuous. Um, some of the other things that inside of order efficiency come in are also the taxes on special skills, uh, like NCO, uh, tactical awareness, um, the plus one lieutenant orders, you know, things that give you more orders beyond the regular orders that are provided, you're going to be paying for those. Um, and if you're going to be paying for those, you need to be aware of the fact that you're paying for them and then mm-hmm. take advantage of them. Uh, I find yeah. in Infinity, um, I can build lists and go, it has all of these wonderful pieces, but what have I ha- what have I actually paid the tax for? And in the game, if yeah. I don't take advantage of that, then I'm I'm playing at a disadvantage because I've I've not used something right. that I paid for. Well, this is this is why people don't like toolbox profiles, huh? Yeah, yeah. There's, <laughs> there's just certain pieces that like okay, I have all these things, but I'm never going to be able to use all of it. Um, I yeah. in particular need to get better at using doctors and engineers to keep mm-hmm. my remotes and people alive. But I, yep. I the order to spend an or like to spend an order to pick an order back up again is mm-hmm. great. Uh, but of course, you run the risk of just killing people anyways. And I, I think I've killed more people with paramedics and doctors than I have mm-hmm. <laughs> my opponent. Uh, sure and you're also spending an order to maybe regain one or two orders but mm-hmm. those orders don't necessarily do anything to affect like the wider objective point yeah. situation so it's kind of quite tricky it is um 
Yeah, so it's interesting, like uh, about how you spend your orders and what they go to. Yeah, and a, um, a friend of mine who I uh, actually played yesterday runs uh, OSS uh, Aleph, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and he has the merit, which is a remote presence tag. Um, yeah, and he always keeps the engineer really close. Um, and he's done this every single time. And every mm-hmm. time I go up against the merit, I have to put six to seven wounds into it before it goes mm-hmm. away because it has two states of unconscious. Yeah, it does. So it's like five wounds, isn't it? Yeah, um, uh, essentially five wounds on top of uh, the thing has eight armor. So eleven armor in cover is is hard to get rid of, and it's got MSV two. We'll talk mm-hmm. about that, what all that stuff does uh, in a little bit. So let's talk a little bit about, yeah. um, so we, like, I think we've, we've probably hammered uh, efficiency. That's good. Um, let's talk about the board. Let's talk about the thing that is not explicit. And I need everyone to truly understand the impact of this. Because uh, in a lot of the podcasts and the literature, we talk about losing infinity before turn one, which is mm-hmm. if you do a bad matchup inside the deployment, uh, then you like you lose you lost in phase zero because you out you gave the efficiency to your opponent. So mm-hmm. in a forty eight inch by forty eight inch board, there are there's an area of about two thousand three hundred and four square inches. Um, that is a good I- idea at the beginning because it has like when we start talking about weapon profiles, we start talking about like the radius of your weapon profiles. You'll mm-hmm. understand what the different tools can do for you. Um, but inside of those 2,304 square inches, you have to put terrain and the terrain that you're putting down has a measurable impact in the game. Um, mm-hmm. There was one <clears throat> tournament that I played in, the only tournament that I played in, one of the maps on TTS, had very few line of sight blocking terrain features. So it was a bloody game. And that showed up in the stats across all like 10 games that were played inside of it. Um, And that was because it just turned into deploy your firing line. And then Mm -hmm. the active player got AROed to death because you could only Mm -hmm. shoot one piece at a time. Um, And then you were staring down the barrels of four (laughs) return gunfighters. Um, right. And inside of all of that, uh, I think an important piece that I certainly never really understood was because of the geometry. Um, it's a it's just under 68 inch diagonal. Yeah. So the, the farthest that you're going to have to shoot in one straight line is just under 68 inches. Um, and there are only so many weapons that will actually reach that far which means if you pick a weapon that can reach that far, you're paying the tax to get that range. Um, yeah. And I was uh, looking at some of the weapon profiles uh, earlier in preparation for this, and I, I saw some stuff go out to like 96 inches. And I'm like, why right. Why does that matter? Why do you need 96 inches? Well, it turns mm-hmm. out you need 96 inches to be able to punch from one corner to the other. Um, sure. And one of the things that I would like to to highlight here is a lot of weapons end at 48. So from one one straight line all the way across, so your deployment zone to their deployment zone, the humble combi rifle can reach out and touch someone, the uh, Fowerback, Flamen Spear, Flash Pulse, Heavy Rocket Launchers, all those things just like 
end at 48 inches. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> excuse me. And the value of having sniper rifles uh, that go out to 96 inches means that you can go diagonally or missile launchers uh, that yep. can go out to 96 inches, multi-sniper rifles. These things that are just um, basically artillery pieces, you can sit them all the way back in the back corner of your deployment zone. And if you have line of sight to your opponent's corner, you can touch them without them being able to shoot you back. Mm. And that is one example of efficiency that is not explicit. Um, on top of that, I think it, no, go ahead. It's, it's a bit rough though, because like, Oh, it is. this is absolutely true. And I love snipers for this, but typically when you're building maps, like you'll see quite cluttered centers. And when you mm -hmm. see quite a cluttered center, you know that your sniper is basically an HMG. Like, really, at the best of times, you're shooting kind of up to and around 32 inches. Mm -hmm. I kind of hate that. Um, I think there's a tension in map design and how efficiency plays out, because if you leave a map too open, you know, you hand very, very easy games to gunfighting, like, dom domination um, factions, like Pano or whatever, things like that. Um, and other factions that don't gunfight as well can end up struggling. But then equally, if you create quite a closed map, then people are like, well, why am I paying You know, for this multi-sniper that can shoot up to 96 inches, but it's never going to because you've put all this terrain here mm -hmm. and it's pointless. Yep. So when I design a map, I think you need to be really careful of think thinking to yourself, you know, how am I incentivizing people to use different efficiencies? Like... Have I got areas where a sniper is going to be able to take a diagonal shot that's maybe 50 inches, for example, or or is that just not going to happen and therefore people are going to only take Spitfires? Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, uh, and I found uh, across all the tabletop war games that I play, uh, this is a constant struggle where um, mm -hmm. because we're trying to simulate a skirmish modern day near future uh firefight um you, you can either make it a shooting match in which case pretty much like fire teams pano a couple of vanilla shooters across all of the different profiles are going to mm -hmm. have a great time um yeah versus people like jsa who want to be <laughs> in close combat time. are gonna have a bad time um, yeah and I also find yeah. the combination of the terrain that's available, whether or not you can get into it, the two window mm -hmm. rule. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. If it, right. Where you, can you shoot through two windows or not mm -hmm. um, in and out, but not through. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's really interesting because the game, when I look at any game, Infinity included, like the designers basically hand you a bunch of decisions and like efficiencies and ways that the game works. And then you as a designer, if you build maps and missions and stuff, you need to decide what you pick up and what you don't pick up. So for example, if you design a map and you make it very cluttered, you have chosen to exclude some interesting efficiency questions about weapon ranges. Like you just haven't picked that up and answered um, that, or you haven't you haven't addressed that question. You've just kind of chosen to leave it. Does that make sense? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> right. And this is uh, as we tr tend trend to like away from mathematics and more towards art here is mm -hmm. one of those golden nuggets that no one really talks about that is inside of the art of this game um where it's the type of terrain that you acquire and what right. does that do and yeah. then how do you stack it so infinity mm -hmm. terrain for me has a couple of key pieces one um it needs to be at least higher than like silhouette seven um oh gosh yes right <laughs> 
Uh, and then even you know even better than that is like multi-level. One of the benefits uh-huh. of playing uh, on Tabletop Simulator is you can do the multi-level stuff. You can set the different things, and then you can have like firefights in buildings. But it's very challenging yeah. to do in in real space, in meat space, <laughs> as yeah. it's uh, I come to call it. Um, so when you go out and acquire these terrain pieces, the basic terrain pieces that Corvus Belly produces are good but what it does is create two levels yeah right it's either on the buildings or on the ground (laughs) yeah Um, and then you're really only looking maybe one silhouette above you or one silhouette below you um Mm -hmm. they have that one sniper tower uh which is fun and exciting but where people i think start to get really interesting games um are like games inside of buildings with corridors or on tts a lot of the maps that are trying to simulate like uh on on nomad ships um Mm -hmm. where it's just corridor fighting um the other thing that also changes when you start changing some of the fundamental parameters of the game is game size uh tournaments at 150 points don't bring hmgs because it doesn't help you HM, sure. like HMGs, you're just going to be in zero or minus three because of how right. like small the board is. Um, yeah, it makes sense. So at 150 points, it, like Spitfire and templates are key mm-hmm. um, yeah. or missions that try and put you in a small space uh, mm-hmm. like the armory um, are tend like favored towards your close combat pieces like uh submachine guns close combat mm-hmm. shotguns chain rifles anything where you can hit multiple things with one shot yeah i've um i've played a reasonable amount of code one like demo games and the thing is that game might have the same dna as, as infinity n4 but it's actually a fundamentally different game because the map is smaller and yeah. because the map is smaller like the way you play the game is so different and there's it's so different. Also, there's portions of Infinity that are uh, not available in Code One um, <laughs> that have these kind of like minor changes, but it still has a dramatic effect on what you can and can't do. Um, yeah. You know, I, I haven't played Code One, but I have seen some mm. games of it online, and uh, yeah. it kind of looks like Code One at some point turns some of the models into just punching bags. Because you can't like uh, dodge to go or um, fail your guts to go prone. Because I don't think yeah, guts that's is in right. There's one. no guts. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So you just yeah. you just sit there and get punched in the head until either you win the exchange or you dodge out you of lose. it. Mm. Yeah. I wanted to come back to something because we were talking about efficiency and like how designers might think about working that into like tournaments or maps mm. or missions or whatever. And I made a joke about toolbox pieces like not being very popular. I think that's another thing that designers need to think about because if you're playing a mission like Quadrant Control where you basically have to put points in quarters, then there's no real incentive to pay points for specialists unless they're a doctor or an engineer and they're absolutely crucial to keeping a tag alive or a heavy infantry alive or something like that. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you play a mission that has, say five or six buttons in the middle of the board and you know the goal is to kind of be quite brawly and like fight your opponent and press these buttons and stuff then suddenly taking something that's maybe a heavy infantry that's also a hacker well hackers are decent anyway but like maybe an engineer for example that you wouldn't ordinarily take might be much more interesting because you can kind of get in there do a bit of shooting and uh press the buttons as well so 
I think how you design um, the tournament pack from a mission and, and map perspective is really important because it changes the core assumptions of the game in terms of efficiency. Like, oh, absolutely. Why, would, why would I want to spend two orders moving and shooting with one guy and then moving and pressing a button with another guy when I could move one guy that's a specialist and a gunfighter and half, like literally half the orders it takes, yeah. essentially. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and it, it, it's this idea uh, leads to me for me to go towards just the abstract nature of it's good and then it's bad. It has its pros and its cons, uh, which is like infinity is contextual. Um, yeah. y- you can't sit down and do an analysis of any army or any profile. Um, and come down to a concur like this is absolutely better. This is comparatively better without a conversation around what's the board, uh, yeah, and definitely. also what's the objective, right? The the board has a say. Um, and uh, I've been thinking about how to describe exactly what you're talking about, which is in your mission pack, and when you're trying to develop your strategy over multiple iterations of a game. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it. the only way I can kind of describe it is like the mouth feel, like how the game <clears throat> feels if it's a meal. If you're sitting mm-hmm. down and you're trying to develop interesting gameplay, you have to build that towards who are your people. Like who's yep. going to be coming out and playing the tournament. If you have a bunch mm-hmm. of people who they just want to do gunfighting, then just run mm. firefight three times on three... Yep different boards that offer different firing lanes and people have to think through the problem separately. Um, yeah. But that um, disadvantages people who want to run things that aren't just get in a gunfight. People will not pay for your tournament if you run biotech for. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm actually not joking. Like when IGL and the other tournaments that I've run put biotech for into the map pack or threaten to put biotech for into the map pack, uh, or the mission pack, sorry, uh, we will get fewer signups than we would if we hadn't. It, Obviously, this isn't a global rule. Like no, I'm sure other sure. people have different experiences. But, but I, yeah. I know that I, I feel like Biotech Four comes from a I'm losing pieces, uh, not because of the violence of my opponent, um, but just because of the board and the map. Um, and I think a lot of people like Infinity for the. Um, kind of like the lane play the lane management um and being forced out of their deployment zone maybe isn't something that they like um yeah for instance i don't know it's it's just weird to be honest like i I can't really describe biotech for it's a strange mission but um it's just it's just interesting because people pay for experiences and like they pay for um to link it to the podcast, like certain expectations of efficiency, like what a game of infinity should look like, mm-hmm. what you should be doing. And I'm saying should like quote unquote, because yeah. these are assumptions. Um, and if a mission or map pack doesn't meet your assumptions, people get unhappy and they don't want to play. Well, and that, uh, I'm a big, uh, obviously if you've listened to the tunnel fission games podcast, uh, I, I like, I started in, uh, tabletop, uh, role-playing games. Mm-hmm. And the question that I always ask people is like, what do you want? What is the right. experience you're looking to get out of this? What's the story that you want to tell? Um, mm. And you can't forget the narrative aspect of this simulation that we're trying mm-hmm. to do. Infinity seeks to simulate near future combat. Um, and mm. people have different appreciations for what that's going to mean. 
Um, yep. You know, why why buy metal minis? My, why why not just print out paper? Uh, and they can they can be little stick figures, right? Like, why paint them? Why spend the time working on the artistry of list building? Mm-hmm. Um, when if you just really wanted to be like, well, here's my number one, my number two, and my number three, and I paid four points for one and two points for two and three points for three, and this is my list. My list says that my numbers are allowed to roll this dice, and I remove your numbers. If you just remove <laughs> all of the narrative aspect of the simulation, no one would play it. It wouldn't make any yep. sense. People want to no. do the like, well, here's my Kriza Borak, and I'm I'm a super spaceman who comes from yep. the nomad areas, and I am going to try and take out your uh, Achilles. Uh, your yeah. cyborg Achilles, and that's cool, and your paint job is amazing. That doesn't mean I'm trying to kill it any less. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, absolutely. So what else can we like think about with efficiencies? What What else does this kind of fall under? Well, I think for efficiencies, uh, we've talked a little bit about like how to maneuver through the terrain and what to look for. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. this leads us towards, I think, a discussion around what the missions are. Um, okay. Because efficiencies lead towards what your wind conditions are. Um, yep. Your efficiencies are trying to achieve something. So in the mission yep. pack um, that is in ITS-13, there are 20 missions. Um, mm-hmm. And 18 of them uh, require... I would say non-violent scoring is, and you have to go mm-hmm. and do something. You have to stand in a certain space. You have to occupy a certain area. You have to activate consoles. You have to take items out of panoplies. Um, and then there's two that are just go murder a bunch of things. Um, and yep. there's a bunch here like unmasking that combine the violence with the uh, button pushing. Um, mm-hmm. And re- honestly, what sets Infinity apart uh, is the reliance on go do something, go get a piece yeah. of information and then do something with that piece of information. Um, yeah. Versus other games where it's just go stand in an area and accumulate points. Mm-hmm. Um, because sure. these two different thoughts and feelings, what they're designed to do is take pitched battle <laughs> armies uh, of equal point value and force them into the center. Uh, 40K, Fantasy, Age of Sigmar, War Machine... Warmo Hordes, Infinity, whatever game you want, you're going to start on either end of a board and you need to get to the center to do a thing. And what that thing yep. is, uh, is just draped in what the narrative uh, that you're trying to tell. Uh, right now, mm-hmm. 40K is just go stand on objectives and everything is about just Generally. removing people from objectives. Got it. Uh, Infinity <laughs> offers um, a little bit more of a story. Uh, I personally, my favorite ones are like, unmasking uh mm-hmm. and mind wipe uh those two i find are super thematic the idea of in unmasking you have to go forward activate a console figure out who the spy is and then go kill the spy mm-hmm. um and then in the same line you have mind wipe which is go figure out which server has the opposing ai and then it uh, forces you to go across the board into your deployment zone uh, your opponent's deployment zone an area which you never really end up uh, and then go do something. Remove uh, the server, blow it up, hit it with some sort of double action close combat weapon, whatever it is. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, when we talk about efficiencies, the natural question is, what am I trying to do efficiently? Yeah, exactly. right. <laughs> and the answer to that question is whatever the mission has asked you to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so one thing uh, uh, yeah. in all of them is uh, specialists and the requirement to push buttons. 
Um, <laughs> if and this is where I think a lot of the artistry for list building is going to start. Uh, how many specialists do you bring, and is your specialist going to be able to punch other specialists? Mm-hmm. Um, specialists, of course, being your paramedics, your engineers, your hackers, uh, both different varieties, um, doctors, specialist operatives. Um, am I missing any other ones? Uh, like chain of command. Uh, chain of command. Uh, sometimes uh, do, sometimes don't. I don't think. Yeah. So the main ones are chain of command, doctor, engineer, uh, paramedic, specialist operative, hacker, forward observer. Forward observer. That's the one I was missing. Yeah. Um, yep. and those are the things that you're going to pay a little bit more for because those skills yep. are the taxes. Um, that. Uh, you need in order to win the game. Um, so when you look at some of your profiles and you start looking at what your game plan is, um, oftentimes we see things with big BS values, with big guns, um, often aren't specialists because uh, you're mm-hmm. going to pay for it in uh, SWC, special uh, weapon cost. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And those are going to do different things than your maybe infiltrating hacker. Um, yeah, yeah. I think it's really nice to have that delineation in units, you know, like mm. a piece is a gunfighter or a specialist, but usually not both. And I actually um, perhaps controversially think it's a shame that they decided to make tags specialists as well, because I, I yeah. really liked that design space, like that that decision that you needed to make is, you know, when I approach this mission, am I going to pay for the best guns and neglect my specialists or am I going to do the reverse or am I going to go 50-50? But now, unfortunately, it's possible with a couple of profiles to get a really good specialist and a really good gunfighter. Um, So Ariadna has the Unknown Ranger, who Mm -hmm. I believe is a specialist and one of the best gunfighters in the faction. Correct. Um, Uh, He's an auto-include, which is a very interesting discussion around Mm -hmm. auto-includes. Yeah. Um, the avatar is as well, of course. It's uh, like one of the best guns in the game, and it's a specialist. Um, so yeah, and so uh, a couple of things. Yeah, what's you know what is the what are the decisions that we're trying to make people make in their list building? Um, mm-hmm. it, you know, having tags, having if you just removed specialist operative from the unknown ranger, yeah. Now all of a sudden the Ariadna lists fundamentally change. Um, mm-hmm. It's the same thing as... If the mission pack demands it. If, well, in the right mission pack, yes. Yeah, that, that's yes. true. Um, <laughs> yeah. If we hold, let's say, in general, all 18 other missions that require some sort of specialist, um, mm-hmm. though the list options in Ariadna would change very drastically, and you would see yeah. different <laughs> styles of play, um, because there would be a trade-off. There would be mm-hmm. a, uh, I know that I'm going to have to pay for this, so I'm going to go do this in order to do that. Um, but anytime in any game, you can just pay a little bit more to have something that is absolutely better than everything else, then it just yep. becomes these auto-includes. Um, and right. one of the things that I wonder and kind of worry about is, is an auto-include an indication that something is wrong or unbalanced? Um now, not saying that this needs to change or there is a way for Corvus Belly to do this correctly or incorrectly. Uh, simply looking at this going, with a couple of minor changes, you would force different decisions, forcing yeah. people to bring models uh, in a way that maybe they weren't traditionally used to, um, allowing for different list combinations, allowing to tell different stories. Um, yeah. 
I um I think this is a much longer conversation Definitely. than like one that we can have now, but I would say that auto includes in literally every mission are bad for the game. Agreed. Um auto includes for some missions are okay for the game. Um so like if you're taking if if the unknown ranger, for example, wasn't a specialist and it was just a gunfighter and it was perhaps a little bit worse in some other way, I don't know, just spitballing some ideas. Sure. Yeah. And people took it in annihilation, fine, cool, you know, whatever. Like that's a mission where you want gunfighters. Uh and then if people didn't take it in insert button pushing mission here, mm-hmm. um, I don't know, can't think of one right now. Um, then then sure, like that's okay. Because you're taking it in situation A but not B, and therefore it, it you know, it's it's um you can you can um you can force like more difficult decisions as a tournament organizer by mixing up your mission pack but if something's taken literally all the time then i I can i can probably put together a u.s ariadna list for all 20 missions uh and the unknown ranger will be the main dude (laughs) because so i um i have played basically one hack islam list since n4 launched there you go. See? Um, I don't change my list. I don't need to change my list. Um, because as much as everyone says that you need specialists to win the game, what you actually need to do to win a game is table your opponent. Um, <laughs> yeah. And when you table your opponent and press one button, you get a major victory quite a lot of the time, and that's fine. Um, which is a shame. I don't like it, but hey, you know, it is what it is in this pack. Maybe next pack will be different, Yeah. you know? Um, and these these minor variations, and that's where... Uh, the analysis of things uh, is so important um, to to come to those conclusions because when you're given like infinity is 2801 profiles across all the sectorials mm-hmm. across all factions like that is mm-hmm. that's a lot of decisions to be making uh, and when yeah. a new player like me like I'm still relatively young in infinity mm-hmm. um, and I'm still learning some of the lessons that like my local war corps will teach me uh, such mm-hmm. as the, the you know the power of uh, mimetism minus six and close combat yeah. twenty five martial arts level <laughs> fifteen in my deployment zone like that's not it's not a good look for me um, no but at the same time um, the more explicit we make these things the higher we bring the education up of everybody now we have yeah. better quality games which is why we're doing these things anyways so yeah absolutely I think um, it's just about bringing to people's awareness mm-hmm. kind of how the game works theoretically and how the game works practically because isn't it it's super interesting to me that on a theoretical level you win infinity by doing mission based actions like pressing buttons or holding particular pieces of ground or whatever but in actuality i can think of maybe five players off the top of my head who if i ask them what do you do on turn one they all say i table my opponent if i can yeah yeah. Um, um, and, we, and I'm thinking of like some of the best players in the game right now. Yeah. And the 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 way that everything stacks up right now uh, favors a alpha strike, push the buttons later, kill yeah. everything now. Um, mm-hmm. Because if you cripple your opponent in turn one, then you can win the mission in turn two and three. <laughs> Um, Absolutely. You still have those remaining orders. And if you Mm -hmm. break what they have, you make it way more favorable for you. So you need like one or two aggressive sledgehammers and you need first turn. Uh, Yeah. Oh, like you want to spend a command token and reduce one of my order pools by two. That's fine. Like I'm still going to take these eight orders 
and smash you with like Achilles uh, or, or or a tag um, or something like that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Which... Well, also think think about it this way: if if a turn one troop kills an opposing piece, it strips him of three orders. Right, mm-hmm. that's turn one, two, and three lost orders. So if you spend a command token to make turn the the first player lose two orders from their their alpha strike or whatever, um, they make up for that by killing like one troop. They're they're one order ahead net, mm-hmm. right? Because you've you've lost two, but you've made them lose three by because yeah. they haven't activated the troop yet. Yeah, no, if you if you, if you get like a good alpha strike and you kill like I don't know four or five things, which I'd consider a pretty good turn one, like mm-hmm. they're losing twelve to fifteen orders. That's absurd. Yeah. That's potentially like a third of their game has gone, and they haven't even done anything yet. They've just sat there. And, and that's uh, we talked about at the very beginning with the value of impetuous units. Um, the value of impetuous units, the trade, the efficiency comes from. I spent eight points or 15 points on this motorcycle that's going to charge across the board using an impetuous order in a regular order and maybe one of my regular orders turn one to get in behind and chain rifle your fire team yeah. uh, or chain yeah. rifle yeah. your uh, hacker or the thing that you were trying mm-hmm. to hide because it wasn't it's not it's not a big armored beat stick. Um, right. And there are certain um, yeah. uh, factions that do it better than others. Not everybody wants to trade, but um Mm. that's uh kind of beside the point so um yeah let's keep taking a look at some of the other objective points we should talk about classifieds because yes um they can swing a lot of games and and oftentimes do um and the trend inside of the classifieds are really specialist based or a particular Mm -hmm. type of troop um there's a few that are uh like murder based uh like close combat things like that yeah Uh, predator for mm-hmm. the most time, like you need um, these like random skill sets uh, mm-hmm. that maybe you didn't pay for, like a biometric visor, um, yep. or you might not have a forward observer, so you have to do spotlight maybe twice. Um, but of course, uh, by doing the classifieds and then realizing that maybe when someone takes one classified, they can't achieve it, then giving the option of just secure HVT as your backup. Now it's just like, okay, great. So here's my speedy, aggressive attack piece. Um, and I'm just going to go stand next to the HVT at the end of the game and synchronize it. And I score my one point. Um, yeah. You know, I it's, I agree. It's such a shame. Yeah. Oh, exactly. sorry. Sorry. No, I was just thinking like, it's such a shame that there are so many get out clauses for actually playing the objective in this game. Yeah. Like securing hvt is a get out of jail free card for people that don't want to do classified objectives mm-hmm. or at least one classified objective and then out of the other ones they draw they can maybe pick like some aggressive ones mm-hmm. um and equally stripping your opponent's orders is a really nice get out of jail free card for people that don't actually want to press buttons because it allows them to do that and then press you know very very minimal buttons and still win yeah. um it's um it's a shame because there aren't similar get out of jail uh, options for other things. Like I can't not play an aggressive game as easily. You yeah. generally have to play an aggressive game. You know. It, it, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I, uh, one of the things like the uh, the game ends in retreat clause, uh, I think right. is great. And the way that you could prevent a really aggressive um, alpha strike is you just increase the threshold of game ends in retreat. You know, what if it was thirty percent? What if it was fifty? Yeah, that's right? interesting. Like. Yeah, turn one, you want to smash my entire army? Sure, yeah, that's fine. I'm at 49%. Uh, it's yeah. over, we tie. Congratulations. 
Um, it's it's funny though when retreat is you know 74 75 points or whatever is like two heavy infantry yeah. you know so your yeah. opponent like leaves you alive and you have two orders you're like well i've i've lost you know i, I can't actually play the game yeah. um <laughs> well and if you know if the intention of like a tournament is to prolong gameplay then it is in your interest to make the game last as long as possible if your yeah. objective is to win then you want the game to last the least as amount of time possible, possible, right? Right. Um, yeah. Which is you don't want your opponent to do meaningful things. Exactly. Um, but if you're playing a game uh, and you want your opponent to have a good time, <laughs> you need to let them do stuff. Um, right. And which is why I think uh, army lists kind of like uh, nomads, things that seek to control, mm-hmm. and they're just going to mm-hmm. set stuff up. Typically, I find. Um, I'm having a greater play experience uh, yeah. with a friend of mine who's a little bit more like turtley. He doesn't want he wants maximum efficiency. Um, so the game when he and I play, when he plays his Varuna and I play Tunguska Nomads, what he seeks to do is set up the best possible exchange and win it. And when I play my Nomads, I've just gotten into this pattern of like, I just want to set up the most egregious, difficult to get out of setup. And then the game now yeah. becomes a puzzle for us to break out inside of the Infinity game. Um, yeah. So when we when I went this weekend uh, to my local Infinity meetup and played a hyper-aggressive JSA list and got my teeth punched in, it was because I just wasn't used to playing against that style of play. That kind um, of thing, yeah. Right? So interesting. Uh, you're very correct in that uh, turn one, table your opponent, is a viable strategy, but it's not a viable strategy for fun to happen no it's absolutely not no it's quite um disappointing i think if you want to actually play a game and you don't really get to play the game yeah um yeah and that's like that's one of the the big uh negatives to the current like warhammer 40k uh which is um i I could sit here for two hours while you go through your first turn and all you do is blow my stuff up and i don't get an opportunity to react Um, yeah it makes me sigh yeah um because I've, you know, I have seen similar things in Infinity recently, and it's it's sad. Yeah. Um, um, what about um, efficiencies of like face to face rolls and stuff though? Like, what about when a troop meets another troop? Oh, we're we're <laughs> gonna get to that, my friend. Okay. Uh, there is a lot to discuss about that. Um, so <laughs> I think we've cruised through. We've kind of outlined win conditions. Um, the classified decks in and of themselves, I think, are an episode to go through and yeah. be like, okay, here's all the cards. Here's the difference between mm-hmm. green and purple. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I would like to talk about some of the special skills uh, mm-hmm. that are okay. important um, that you're going to be paying a tax for. Uh, and mm-hmm. that tax gives you either some sort of efficiency or gives you a capability that um, you didn't necessarily have previously. Right. Um, okay. So there's core capabilities uh which are you know the everyone can do bs attacks everyone can do dodges everyone can do Mm -hmm. resets um but there are special skills with um special like keywords uh that Mm -hmm. that have a pretty meaningful change in things uh so i'm just gonna go to the special skills section of the rule book Um, oh i can do that too uh, because there's there's a lot of them um and uh they're all eh, maybe not all of them there's a handful of them that are really worth knowing about i can probably shout out a couple off the top of my head but yeah. i'm not going to um i'm so, going to check it out do, do, do. Mm. 
Uh, yeah, and a lot of these are efficiency based, right? Because mm -hmm. they change how orders are spent. Absolutely. Um, so in the special skills section, um, we can just go uh, alphabetically here. So I'm looking at uh, like page 89 in the rulebook. For those of you with a rulebook and want to follow along, um, we'll start with Berserk. Uh, an entire order sure. to do maximum move and a CC attack. This is yep. like, this is trading in an order. Mm -hmm. um, because as we get into the math down the road, uh, you'll see that close combats are like, you have a higher chance of being successful, even if you only have yep. burst one. Um, but of course, getting to the position to do a close combat attack is is a deadly concept. It is not easy it's to difficult. do. Um, the other thing about Berserk, of there. course, is yeah. that um, Berserk makes it not a face-to-face -face roll, right? Yeah. So it's super efficient if you have to remove one particular piece mm -hmm. because you don't face-to-face -face it, you just kill it. Yeah, um, and the Berserk, when you Berserk, you want to Berserk something that you can reliably trade up for, uh, mm -hmm. or if you've already gotten the value uh, of your piece. Uh, one great example is the Berserk on the Bear Pod. Um, right. You know, Bear Pods with total immunity, we'll talk about what total immunity does in a bit, um, but they have a lot of wounds, uh, mm -hmm. decent armor, and they kind of don't care what special ammunition you bring. Um, mm -hmm. And if they can just Berserk your tag... Uh, or Berserk at your LT or your hacker or something like that. Like, you'll do one wound to them on the way in and they don't really care about it. Um, right. Which is a reason why I think bear pods are very popular right now. You know, the double bear pod Cosmo list. Uh, it's pretty popular. Is, yeah. It's tough to get rid of. Um, I mean, there's, there's also a reason why combined army lists run like two to four tigers because... Yeah they're what six points with 12 inch berserks and mm -hmm. double action cc weapons yeah um, they're just guided they trade up with basically everything yeah um <laughs> so yeah berserk uh very efficient skill mm -hmm. um <laughs> i we don't really need to get into bioimmunity or, or booty rolls no. uh, camouflage no. i think is super important though yeah um, super efficient skill yeah exactly and you had mentioned it in our last episode that it, it's a soft way to stall orders Yep. Um, mm -hmm. And the many different types of camouflage, so the mimetism minus three, the mimetism minus six, we'll talk about mimetism mm -hmm. in a second because it's also mm -hmm. super efficient. Um, yeah. But camouflage is a state, much like impersonator, uh, that just prevents people from removing it. So they have to spend an order yep. to remove your piece. And if you're delaying pulling orders down or if they fail the discover and it just sits there, um, mm -hmm. The thing that is also not explicit in here is no one knows what a camouflaged unit is. Uh, good yep. players can kind of guess, um, but <laughs> you can overload the options like, is this a mine? Is this a decoy? Is this uh, my camouflaged light shotgun, you know, foxtrot? Or is this a camouflaged, mm -hmm. um, you know, heavy flamethrower? Uh, and all of these decisions uh, are not good. Uh, and they yeah. kind of have like a soft threatening. It's also... Um... So not only is it an efficient defensive skill because you have to be discovered first and then killed, it's also a very efficient attacking skill because you can walk past ARO pieces without having to kill them in turn or to use smoke, like you just walk past them. Um, and that often saves you a bunch of orders. Absolutely. Um, another really efficient skill 
uh, is that climbing plus, uh, like you had uh-huh. mentioned previously. Um, and as yeah, it's loving a, it. an automatic skill, what it gives you is access to verticality in a mm-hmm. game that wants to try and build vertical boards. Yes. Um, yep. The idea of just like, ah, this this guy with climbing plus is uh, now just going to scale the side of this sniper tower and then get up on top and get access yeah. to a lane or a line that they wouldn't have access to previously. Mm-hmm. Important. Super good. Um, combat jump, parachutist, and hidden deployment, I would put all in kind of the same idea. Um, anything that leaves your precious pieces off the board, yes, it robs you of a order for the number of <laughs> turns you leave it off the board, but it also means they can't get alpha struck. Um, yep. And you can choose when to bring it into play versus mm. trying to hide the piece from an opponent's super mm. aggressive alpha strike. Yep. You're going to pay um, for that, though. Also, critically, where yeah. where to bring on the piece. For combat jump and parachutist, specifically, where the piece comes on. Um, well, and so you, you save orders defensively because the thing can't die. It's off the off the table. Although you, you maybe spend an order if you don't bring it on on turn one. Um but you gain orders back because you can bring it on like 36 inches into the board or whatever, or like even on the back edge if it's got combat jump and you pass the roll. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And then on top of that, the combat jump explosive uh, is super mm-hmm. fun because you can potentially use an order to come in and nuke something or nuke yeah. multiple pieces, which perfect efficiency there, right? It, it's an yeah, order that you weren't going to be able to use anyways. Um, that now drops, explodes, maybe you tuck it next to a troublesome hacker, uh, which typically don't have great armor values uh, and mm-hmm. maybe don't dodge super good, um, and instead uh, it dies, you know? Um, yep. That's a super rare skill, but one that I find to be very efficient. Can be really good, yeah. Yeah. Um, another one, of course, is... Uh, we can kind of cruise past, like, decoy doctor. Uh, I like dog yeah. Dogged is really yep. interesting and important uh, because it just goes, uh, I, I'm allowed to trade and mm-hmm. still be in the game. Yeah. Um, and often the pieces that have Dogged are those trading pieces. Like, mm-hmm. here's a free wound. No wounding cap is the same thing. Um, that, like, 1.5 wounds. Like, I don't have two mm-hmm. full wounds. You can hit me once and um, I'm still going to try and run and push a button or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um Still, like, very good, very resilient uh, opportunities. Yeah. It's one of my um, favorite, like, cheaty defensive efficiency skills Mm. when I can have my troops kind of pretend to be two wounds in the reactive turn. Yeah. Like, uh, a Liberto that has Dogged can fake being two wounds um, when it reacts to stuff, basically, um, which is really nice. Yeah. Um, Well, it's nice for me. Well. I mean, it's it's an important piece. <laughs> not nice. Yeah, um, it's not nice for my opponent. <laughs> um, uh, of course, uh, the forward deployment, forward deployment infiltration mm-hmm. um, are efficiencies in movement, efficiencies in placings. Yep. Be aware of the fact um, that there are missions with the exclusion zones. So if you mm-hmm. try and bring infiltrators and the exclusion zone is there, you've paid for a skill that you're not going to be able to yeah. use. Um, which um, I would say as well, mm-hmm. um, always worth thinking about that. But like, a lot of people underestimate the um, the actual efficiency gain from forward deployment because on the stats, it might just say plus four inches and someone's like, well, you know, that's half 
of an order. It's just a short movement. That's, that's nothing at all. But like, what if you used forward deployment to put your dude on top of a tower or yeah. something that would ordinarily take three or four orders to get to the top of? Like, There are ways of using forward deployment to cheat your way onto verticality that would otherwise take you a climbing plus unit or, God forbid, actually climbing to get on top of. Right. Um, um, so it can be super good like the top of an inaccessible area like silos yeah. or something like right. that depending on what the terrain pieces are um, yeah you know a spot where <laughs> they especially like uh, hidden deployment infiltrators where mm -hmm. there maybe your opponent maybe isn't even thinking that you could be putting something there um mm -hmm. yeah yeah uh, you're it's amazing right yeah. <clears throat> yeah um with uh Infiltration, obviously, we talked about the hidden deployment already. Um, yeah. Immunity. Uh, immunity is super interesting. Um, you know, total immunity or immunity ammunition type. Uh, this is a way of canceling other people's way of gaining efficiencies. Uh, yes. You know, immunity, yeah. armor piercing, immunity, shock. Um, yeah. You know, these these ammo types are part of the art <laughs> about how people put their list together. And if you can yeah. bring pieces that are preventing uh, those types of efficiencies, you're slowing down your opponent, which is great. And the total immunity yeah, is just like, yeah. everything is normal ammunition and I don't care. Mm -hmm. It's really, really, really interesting because there are a couple of pieces that have immunity to AP and they can be very order inefficient to kill mm -hmm. because... Your ordinary way of getting rid of them just kind of sucks. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, the a very rare skill uh, that is super great is marksmanship. Um, mm -hmm. the The ability to remove one of the most reliable ways to impose like negatives on someone is just to get mm -hmm. rid of cover. Uh, yeah, marksmanship is very rare. Um, let me just do a I quick. Think, what like? two or three units in the game. Hackerslum has one. Uh, Pano has one. What else has marksmanship? So there are 56 profiles with sure. marksmanship on their own. Now, you have to like include this in uh, any time that there's one profile with doubles. Um, because they'll be included in the sectorial and in... Oh, right, right. Right. Um, so, like, the Grenzer in... Oh, I forgot the Grenzer, yeah. yeah. No so much. there's a Grenzer with marksmanship. Uh, bolts <laughs> for Pano is honestly yeah. most of these things. Um, yeah. The uh, Spetsnaz. There's, there's the Zyadan and the Spetsnaz. Okay, yeah. So the big four for me that I always, that I should always have in the top of my mind is the, the Zyadan in Hackerslam, the Bolts in Pano, the Spetsnaz in Ariadna, and the Grenza in Nomads. Like those are those are units that you're going to pop into. Like so you're going to see them again yeah. and again. Uh, so of the 56 <laughs> marksmanship profiles, uh, do do do. 33 of them are bolts. <laughs> uh, just like, and that's, I think, the value of the bolt, which is also why you pay for it. Because, I mean, they're medium infantry uh, starting at 20 points, um, going <laughs> all the way up to 28, 31, uh, and yep. one and a half SWC for, you know, a bolt Spitfire or. Uh, bolt with a multi-sniper rifle. Things that just static have marksmanship pay very mm -hmm. close attention to because that is a very reliable way of removing uh, negatives. 
Um, yeah. Which I think now yes. it's time to talk about multispectrum visor, uh, which is uh -huh. an equipment uh, and mimetism. So the, mm -hmm. the, the biggest way of doing the rock, paper, scissors game is having profiles with MSV and having profiles with mimetism. So mimetism yeah. comes in two varieties, the minus three and the minus six. In a, mm -hmm. in a 20... Uh, in a d20 game, plus three or minus three is a 15% swing on each dice. So yeah. trying to dig out a mimetism minus six unit uh, while they're in cover opens at minus nine to hit, um, yes. which is essentially, you know, a minus 45%. Um, but also could potentially, if you're in a bad weapon range, make it so that way you just can't shoot at all because your BS now mm -hmm. goes below zero. Um, yeah. And the way that you can counter that is with MSV. And there's some interesting patterns here in the profiles. So there's, of the 2,801 Infinity profiles, uh, there's 777 with Mimetism, be it minus three or minus six. Uh, and then there's only half of that with Multispectrum Visor profiles at about 312 um you know 119 or msv2 and about 14 with uh, msv3 um so when you are list building anticipate that you're gonna have to deal with mimetism um yeah. and the most reliable most efficient way is to put something with msv minus six into cover uh at, at minus nine and that's just a fundamental like anytime you can yeah. stack that you're gonna have a greater chance of succeeding. We'll take a look you're at the math. Say it, yeah. yeah, we'll yeah. take a look at the math uh, in a bit. But the bottom line here is, um, almost all lists. I think I'm at a point where I would say almost all lists need some sort of MSV to dig out mm -hmm. anything with mimetism. Um, yeah, I, I would say every single competitive list you'll see will have either msv or some kind of like berserk close combat troop mm -hmm. or they're going to try to trade it away with like a cheap template but that's yeah. not super reliable because yeah. like you don't want to be templating a hacktail you know a heavy infantry that yeah. has mimetism minus yeah. six and like fizz 14 or something yeah like uh, you don't want to be doing that or uh, you know armor <laughs> five armor six because uh, yeah. a lot of the templates are lower damage weapons so they just won't yeah I actually I consider mimetism more important to take than MSV uh, because I know that like I'm not very likely to see a lot of MSV on the table, so my mimetism is going to be kicking in like almost yeah. all the time. Agreed. Um, whereas uh, in my opponent's list, I might only see like maybe three, two, three units that have mimetism. So my MSV won't kick in that. Like MSV is really, really important to have against some things and does literally nothing against the majority of <laughs> the, other things. I mean, yeah, uh, a, a third of the profiles in the game have mimetism. Mm -hmm. So should right. your entire list or all of your air quotes attack pieces have MSV? No, I don't think so. Um, but you need to come ready to answer it, be it triangulated yeah fire, you have to you have to answer it yeah right uh or trying to get spotlight or fo on <laughs> it um or something like that um but you have to be ready for an answer somehow uh, if you want to yep. berserk it great um cool. but you need to be ready if you for have it. those pieces yep. yeah exactly um and also you know the good news about msv and it's like it's all of these counters 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 right and then <laughs> the like eight hacking device pluses out there might drop a white noise 
and just block <laughs> MSV entirely, and then some regular shooter will come out and deal with your MSV piece. So here, yes. here we now see complicated counter to counter and why the deployment phase is so important. Um, mm -hmm. If you can force your opponent to go first and you go, okay, great. So that's where your MSV is. I'm going to put my Interventor with a hacking device plus on the oppo opposite side so I can drop mm -hmm. white noise directly in my zone of control um, yep. and then use my plus one burst Kreeza Borak with no MSV uh, just to mm -hmm. bully the MSV away. Right? Yeah, and, absolutely. And that's your, that's um, your tactical level combination mm -hmm. and why I think Infinity is so good. Mm -hmm. um, you but can do it with Mimetism as well. Yeah, like, sure. even more simply, you can be like, oh, okay, you know, my opponent's deployed first, like, there's their MSV piece, I just put my big Mimetism dude on the other side of the board. Yeah. Cool. Yes. Like. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Um, which, <laughs> I mean, we've talked a little bit about hackers, so let's just talk about hacking right now. Mm -hmm. um, uh I've read a lot of articles about hacking, uh, and one of the big pieces is that like hacking can't win you the game, but good God, can it make it a lot easier? Um, just the fact yeah, on its own that you can hack through terrain pieces um, yeah. in a terrain-heavy game makes hacking super valuable. <laughs> However, uh, not going to win. It's not going to disable people to the point where they're not going to alpha strike you, but you'll slow them down a little bit. Um, yeah. So there's 242 hacker profiles, um, things that can hack things, be it uh, each other mm -hmm. with a killer hacker um, or hacker or hack device plus. Uh, and then there's about 800 hackable targets. Uh, there's about 637 heavy infantry profiles, 59 tags, and 168 remotes. So... Mm -hmm. You know, some profiles, some armies like to do, you know, run the Rushi, for instance, at a Yujing. So that's MSV2, yeah. Spitfire. Um, you can boost it with the Evo hacking, things like that. Um, that can make a really aggressive attack piece, but it is susceptible to, like, Carbonite. Um, so yeah. your big aggressive attack pieces in general are going to be hackable. Um, but of course, yeah, most of them. if you're going to be paying for a tag you're also going to have <laughs> things that come with a tag, like maybe electronic countermeasures uh, for the minus mm -hmm. three to hack. Um, yep. Or you can bring an Evo hacker to put fairy dust on it or things like yeah. that. Um, yeah. The presence of tags in the game right now means you need an answer to tags. You need an answer mm -hmm. to mimetism. Um, and however you build your list in a competitive sense without knowing what your opponent's list prior to is, um, those mm -hmm. are the two big pieces you're going to need to know um, and understand what you're paying for. You know, by going into, mm -hmm. for instance, one of my sectorials is Tunguska Nomads. Um, mm -hmm. I, by going Tunguska Nomads, I've limited myself on things like uh, Morans with infiltrating repeater networks. So I know I need to yeah. set up a repeater network, but I do, it, as an exchange, get access to the Interventor Lieutenant. Um, everybody do. knows that I have an Interventor Lieutenant, and um, I, I'm not even hiding it anymore. But what that does give me is an extra order to run hacking, so that way, like the four pieces with pitchers that I bring, I can at least get a, re a, a deployable repeater somewhere in the midfield and kind of bring the hacking out to try and stop yeah. runaway heavy infantry or tags. Mm -hmm. It's also, um, it can be a very, uh, like, it can, 
it can make the opponent quite order inefficient if your hackers are set up properly because yeah. they might need to move around those repeater areas and mm -hmm. so they're going to be moving further than they need to move so it's a really nice way of saying to your opponent like i'm not necessarily going to kill you and in fact i might not even hack you because you're going to move around me but you have to waste all this time moving yeah um <clears throat> at, at one of the games that i played against the uh, oss merit um he moved the tag through the hacking area and all four of my hackers all tried to do different things and it didn't matter because mm -hmm. he critically reset oh so well, there was that kind of sucks I, I just like <laughs> uh oh oh geez um and that's just that's just how it goes sometimes um, yeah that's the game sometimes yeah. um but like if you had told me that in the absence of the crit reset i probably would have said like yeah i don't think i would have done that personally. <laughs> so he like... needed he needed to get out of the the because i shot the uh, deployable repeater next to the tag on oh purpose. i see right right um, right right so he had to get out of it um you know sometimes they critically reset other times uh you get uh, really lucky with like a reaction zond with an hmg um, double critting a squallow and the squallow failing three of the saves uh, and just going to sleep. You know, sometimes it's just how it is. Um, anyways, it's the game. It's um, the game. Yeah. So that that's hacking, right? Um, yeah. And then uh, some of the other special skills uh, worth talking about. I think um, <clears throat> regeneration. The idea that you can yep. drop somebody and they just get back up. That's uh -huh. good. Um, really remote good, presence yeah. uh, for effective additional wounds. Um, REM driver is not one that should be ignored. Um, particularly, uh, like in certain sectorials, REM driver can really boost, uh, like, yeah. Dakini Tackbots, for instance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, sensor is a great way of getting through a lot of camo. Yeah, sensor's really neglected, but it can be very important. Like, mm. depending on the faction you're playing against, it's really order efficient to yeah. just kind of say, okay, you know, you are playing tack. You have six camo markers in the midfield. I want to know what all of them are at the same time. Yeah, like, yeah exactly. Um, um, <clears throat> stealth as well is a big deal. Uh, the fact that you can get through certain areas and not provide AROs, that is, yeah. I think, efficiency in and of itself. Yeah. And, and also, you know, it goes in the... Uh, the cycle of counters with hacking, right? Hacking, really good zone control, sent, uh, stealth, walk straight through it. Yeah. Um, total reaction. Uh, I believe more and more that uh, every list should have something that has total reaction. Um, it has never not paid off for me because of how mm -hmm. cheap they are. And it's just dice. And when we, in the next mm -hmm. section, we're going to talk about dice. Um, throwing more dice even at lower values is still a good strategy to just yeah, stall your opponent. Um, and which is why I think like the combi rifle is honestly kind of slept on because people are so concerned about well it's only damage 13. It's like it doesn't matter. I'm still winning exchanges. Um, yeah, which... no, I had um, I, I had exactly this discussion actually with an opponent I played the other day which is that the thing is like People sleep on combi rifles and stuff because they're not going to kill a tag and they won't kill those big linchpin pieces. But there are maybe 12 other pieces in your opponent's list that a combi rifle will kill. Mm -hmm. Okay, sure. Mm -hmm. I can't kill, um, I don't know, like what faction are we against? Maybe I can't kill your salamandra in sure. nomads, right? Yeah. But I can totally kill the intruder. Like that's going down to a combi rifle. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like these things are underrated. They really are. Like rifles win games. Mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Especially when, uh, if your game goes particularly well and the attack pieces nuke each other and it's just mm -hmm. a bunch of specialists running around with combi rifles, like sometimes yeah. that's just how the game turns out. Um, yeah, I um, I was talking to a No Man's player the other day and he said, you know, the thing is Morans are BS-12 rifles. They're perfectly serviceable like uh, attack pieces. If you're... If your salamandra's dead and you don't have, you know, your other pieces left, a BS-12 rifle will win a game. Definitely. Um, so that's a total reaction. We talked about tack awareness already. Uh, yep. The last piece, last special skill really worth talking about is the transmutation, because transmutation is functionally an additional wound. Yeah. Um, yes, I understand that you're going to go, uh, you know, you're going to lose pieces, maybe your... Uh, particularly like the puppet bots, right? In mm -hmm. uh, you lose the plus one burst, you lose some of the armor, yeah. you lose some of the BTS, yeah. but those things are designed to trade because you move three threatening different types of pieces up into where it needs mm -hmm. to go um, mm. at the risk of maybe 45 points and no orders. No orders is the key part there mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. because they're just... They're just free throwaway. It's a boarding shotgun with plus one burst. So it's burst three in the active turn. Um, not a lot of stuff can stand up to that uh, in general anyways. Yeah. Um, so those are uh, a lot of the like special skills. Uh, some of the equipment um, obviously are uh, just ways of creating or uh, removing yeah. other people's efficiencies like mm -hmm. uh, electronic countermeasures, uh, the sure. fast panda, mines, mm -hmm. firewalls. We said MSV and stuff we said as well, oh, yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah. And like, and sometimes you get niche, like rare efficiencies coming about. Like the veteran skill is often maligned by people because it costs a reasonable number of points. It doesn't do that much. But then suddenly, like if you're against a hacking list and you don't want to be isolated, then the veteran skill lets you walk through repeaters and not care. Yeah. Um, or at least, you know, being immobilized by carbonite is less likely than isolated because it's much lower damage. Mm -hmm. um, so... Sometimes niche skills that we don't talk about become very impactful. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and one of those, <laughs> these niche uh, pieces of equipment that I would like to highlight is the X-Visor, um, mm -hmm. which just mm -hmm. goes, you know what? Uh, you can reach out and touch people in areas that you typically wouldn't because you reduce the negative to zero yeah. um, or yeah. the minus six to minus three, which is a big swing when it the is. minus sixes are designed for like the extremis. Um, mm -hmm. and the value of the different weapons profiles is not necessarily where it's plus zero or plus three, but it actually might be, I can reach plus zero now when someone else would be at minus six, making this yeah, a, a much favorable exchange. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things I was talking about with someone the other day was, um, purposefully shooting an HMG at the, like, um, the higher range band so that your mm -hmm. opponent was on a minus 12. Yeah. Right. Um, which is sometimes a better decision than both being at the plus three. Yeah, um, totally. The difference between your opponent being able to do something and do nothing mm -hmm. is is a big deal. Yeah, like no dice is absolutely <laughs> better than any dice. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, which also I think uh, we can. I mean, we've talked a lot about like equipment and hacking and active versus uh, kind of reactive abilities here. Um, one of the things we'll kind of gloss over a little bit quickly is the close combat. Um, close combat, again, you have to get there. But when you get there, uh, if you have that martial arts skill, 
um, that does give you a decent amount of efficiency, particularly like the uh, martial arts level two, level three, um, because it's a little bit yeah, more common. Really um, and then the counter to martial arts, obviously, is natural born warrior, which goes, I don't care <laughs> about any of your martial arts. And then stacking the two of them together, um, which yeah. is a good segue into stacking efficiencies while also stacking negative efficiencies onto your opponents. So natural born yeah. warrior plus martial arts, MSV and mimetism. Um, these are rare combinations and the combinations that are the most aggressive. It perfect example here is uh, the unknown ranger. Unknown ranger has uh, multi-spectrum visor level one and mimetism minus three. Uh, yeah. as well as one of the few profiles that gets an AP Spitfire and he's right. specialist operative. So it's like, of course I'm going to bring an unknown ranger in every game of US yeah. Indiana because he will and do it, whatever the mission's going to be. Yeah, it's such an impactful combination, right, with the MSV. So you're you're good against basically everything and mm -hmm. you have mimetism, right? So you're, most of your opponent's pieces are bad against you. Yep. Um, those two skills mean that most face-to-face -face roles become quite trivial, especially mm. if you have a high burst gun. Oh yeah. Um, like like so a... there's the unknown ranger. What else is there? There's the Mukhtar in Hack Islam. Um, there's one in O12, the Epsilon. Um, a couple of other bits and pieces like that, but they're all really good pieces. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And those those are the standouts, and I think they're standouts <laughs> also because you're going to pay through the nose for them. <laughs> you know, in a US Ariadna list. Uh, a unknown ranger at even at like close to 50 points like that's the most expensive model basically in the US Ariadna list next to like the blackjacks mm -hmm. um, but that's you know you put a whole lot of stuff behind him but he's still only one and a half wounds you know he's he is. Uh, no he wounding cap and a regular wound not a terrible amount of armor um, so templates are dangerous uh, they can be removed you know he's definitely not tag level uh, attack piece um, i um i don't feel too sorry for you though no uh here i am complaining <laughs> with my champagne problems yeah right yeah. like oh dear <laughs> uh, yeah yeah um and so all of this stuff uh leads towards we've talked about these like in the abstract efficiency uh, like we basically have this like bro big pro con list about like what are pros what are cons um, let's talk a little bit about uh, what the math works out to. And I would like to mm. uh, reference an article called like Hammer of Math by uh, Primaris <laughs> Kevin Jensen uh, from the Goonhammer fellas. Uh, I guess Goonhammer yeah. people. I, I don't know who else is on the team. Um, well, it's interesting because Goonhammer mainly do 40k content, right? Yeah. But they've got quite a lot of Infinity stuff now. They do. Um, um, and they did a good way, a digestible way of breaking down face-to-face -face roles because when I tried mm -hmm. to do the math, um, it gets really complicated really quickly. And, yeah, it does. Uh, what I want to try and do is explain a couple of key concepts and then kind of come out with a, in general, this is kind of what you want. Um, so on each 20-sided die, right, there's 20 different options, which means each face value of the number has a 5% chance of showing up. Um, mm -hmm. And if you have a target value of X or lower, it would be said to be a cumulative uh, chance uh, for success. So if you have, you know, uh, if your target number is 12, you have a 60% chance, 12 times 5, 60. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then a critical chance always of, of 5%. Um, so when you're considering 
uh, active versus reactive shots, the question that I always come up with is, is it better to dodge with one die um, mm -hmm. or shoot at maybe a higher value, but I could potentially crit in order to stall the opponent? Um, so the opponent comes out with their attack piece, uh, let's say a, you know, an HI or something like that. Um, mm -hmm. and if they don't have mimetism and they don't have, uh, like a high armor value, I may try and just take the shot if they're going after yep. a like 10 point piece, because on a 5% chance I can try and score a crit, uh, mm -hmm. and, and shut down this runaway gun that's about to happen. Um, but yeah, if, I a, agree. if a crit means nothing. Um, it, or the chance of a crit is so low, like two yeah. dice, but uh, they, they're they a tag in cover, so what they need is they have to roll fives anyways, then maybe I should just dodge. Um, yeah, I agree. So so there are two things you need to consider like when you make this choice. The first is which is the higher number, right? Mm -hmm. Which is generally but not always the correct choice. So mm -hmm. most of the time, but not always. And then the second thing is uh, what's the long-term outcome of this action? So, for example, I might choose to shoot if it's the lower number, if the long-term action is that the opponent's piece is reasonably likely to die and it is like really, really impactful. Um, let's say, for example, I'm Fizz 14, but BS 13. I'm probably going to shoot against like something with one wound. Mm -hmm. um, but if it's the opponent's tag and the long-term outcome is that like I shoot here, but I just die and I do nothing to the tag, even if I hit them, it's not worth it. It's not going to do anything. Um, so uh, I had this actually come up in a game the other day where um, what was going on? I think my Asawira was like being taken on by an opponent's heavy infantry and I had the choice of shooting on 14s or dodging on 14s. Um, and I chose to dodge because I knew that if I succeeded with the shot, it was against a two-win piece. It wouldn't do that much. Whereas if I succeeded, sorry, if I succeeded at the shot, I could I, I couldn't kill the opposing piece. But if I succeeded at the dodge, I could get out of the way and not be shot again. So the long term outcome there was massive. Like I, I would just live. Um, so I chose to dodge basically instead of shoot, which is like maybe strange, but in that context, it made sense. Yeah, and I um, when you look at the the statistical probability, the the article. <laughs> lays out uh, one attack versus one defender, mm -hmm. three attack versus one defender, four yeah. attack versus one defender, and then 2v2, um, which also kind of talks about like the difference between uh, fire teams and sectorials and then the, the mm -hmm. vanilla lists. So vanilla lists, very rarely will you see two dice, um, but sectorials, yeah. you will probably very often see a couple of people peeking out with... Uh, you know, burst two in the air yeah. or something like that. Um, Changes things a lot. Yeah, really so if, if you want to go 1v1, um, the success, particularly in like a close combat situation, um, if you can get well north of what their number, their target value is, then it's in your interest. You know, for instance, if you have <laughs> a CC value of even of just 18, you're north of a 50% chance of succeeding up until you get to about 18 in the opponent's CC value as well. Um, yeah. So if you can modify that, let's say you have, you know, martial arts level two and you have a CC of 21, you know, you're, you're pushed to 24, basically, mm -hmm. effective 24. Um, and yeah. if you're CCing something with 18 again, you know, you, you go up to 72% mm -hmm. 
uh, chance of success. Um, and the inverse is true, obviously. If you have mm-hmm. not a great high target number and your opponent yeah. does, you can get down to like uh, a 5% chance of success. Which oh, definitely. Is just yeah. the crit value. Now, mm-hmm. um, obviously, things get way more favorable if you start looking at uh, the 3v1. Um, yeah. You see 50% well, pushed all the way down to, honestly, like values three to four lower than what your opponents are um, yeah. and still achieving so, some sort of success. I just wanted to raise something yeah. um, really interesting here, which is that if you ask people how to win face-to-face rolls, the first answer they're going to give you is roll more dice, which yeah. is like absolutely fine as a rule of thumb. But it's not actually always correct because if you look at martial arts close combat values, you can see that something that has like CC 23 versus something that has CC 15 is like almost always going to win the face to face. And in fact, it has some of the best numbers you'll see in a face to face. Um, looking at this chart right here, uh, I don't know, CC 23 versus CC 15. What are we on? Like 81, 79%. That's a really, really good face to face roll. Right. So I completely accept that rolling more dice is most often the correct way of doing it, but we know theoretically that one dice versus one dice can be incredibly one-sided. So I think I'd just caution people here and say it's not always the only way to have a successful face-to-face roll. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I think when looking at just math, it's more dice or higher value. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're attacking, you want more dice at a high enough at, at the highest most value, uh, the highest possible value. And then mm-hmm. when you're defending, you are going to get one or two dice and you want mm-hmm. the highest value possible. Um, mm-hmm. And I think if you're a defender, the thing to look at is what is your chance of success? Um, mm-hmm. You know, most of the time the fizz doesn't get modified unless it's surprise attack uh, or mm-hmm. it's outside of your line of fire or something like that. Um, so dodging oftentimes is, is the best choice, uh, particularly for like mm-hmm. the smaller options, the smaller pieces, the ones with, um, maybe just a combi rifle and it's like halfway across mm-hmm. the map, um, yeah, it's just or, not worth it. or yeah. it's against mimetism or something like that. Um, or, uh, when you're attacking, um, sometimes it's better to go four dice at a lower value, right? It, four mm-hmm. dice with an HMG, let's say on like a line trooper, with the potential of having just like a BS 11 versus uh, your opponent's dodge at, let's say a higher target, uh, like 14, mm-hmm. that's still a 64% chance of success. So mm-hmm. more dice at a lesser value is equal to ish in general, one die at a higher value. Um, yeah, and if you, <laughs> if you kind of go with that, understanding that in the broad spectrum of infinity sometimes it's all just potatoes right and you have four Mm -hmm. dice and you just roll ones and the opponent rolls a two and then dodges out of the way from your hmg sometimes that's just how it goes yeah one thing i would say is that um whilst we acknowledge that higher numbers are also very impactful on face-to-face rolls um dice still win out a lot of the time because they smooth out your variance so like your variance on one dice is massive and what i mean by variance is like the spread around like the rolls you could make um you can roll like one two three four like up to 20 whatever Mm -hmm. but the more dice you roll the more likely you are to get like closer to some kind of expected middle value Mm -hmm. um and that means that you're less likely to be like oh i rolled a one that sucks um rolling four ones is obviously way less likely than rolling (laughs) one one (laughs) yeah um so 
dice are good because they can smooth things out and make the game a bit more predictable and if you're a competitive player you like predictable roles Mm -hmm. well and that's ultimately where the efficiency comes from um is to pick the engagements that you want and to avoid the engagements you don't want Um, yes which uh, considering this is an audio-only medium, I wouldn't want to get too much more into the mathematics because uh, mm-hmm. it's tough to do when you have a whiteboard in front of people. Um, mm-hmm. So really, uh, I think we're kind of at the doorstep now of talking about efficiency in very real terms, in terms of profiles, which we will do in the next episode. Um, but I would like to set the ground a little bit uh, when we start talking about efficiencies, mm-hmm. the board, and some of yeah. the key... Uh, weapon profiles so if we imagine mm-hmm. our board as a big square um yeah weapons uh they're just a straight line and they are from a single point so weapons are actually like the radius of a circle uh rather than a square um so at uh 2304 square inches in a 48 by 48 inch board a mm-hmm. combi rifle has a plus three at uh, zero to 16 inches or about 35% of the board. So an yeah. infiltrator with a combi rifle can threaten your opponent's deployment zone pretty reliably at Absolutely. a plus three. Um, and that 15 inch swing is pretty big. Uh, or that yeah. 15% swing. Um, 15% swing. Yeah. yeah. And then when you start pushing it out at, you put an infiltrator at the center of the board um, it now covers, threatens 100% of the board at minus three. So at minus yeah. 15%. Um, yeah. All, all things um, considered, you know, if you have a, a, a average BS is 12, uh, that's, that is, you could threaten anybody uh, at nines, uh, which is uh, probably six, sixes if they're in cover. Well, but yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. Um, and even that's fine. Like if the opponent's taking a minus 12, like say you have mimetism, surprise shot, cover, mm-hmm. um, and they're bad range or whatever, like maybe a shotgun or something. Yeah. Um, or they're a rifle themselves. So they're also minus three. They can't hit you. You're rolling on sixes. I'd take that. Yeah. I'd take and, it. Yeah, exactly. And that uh, the other thing where th- uh, it definitely blew my mind is that you can reach out and touch someone uh, from your deployment zone to your opponent's deployment zone with a combi rifle. It wouldn't yeah, be great can. dice, but it's still an option. Um, it is. It is. And if they're impetuous and not in cover, it's actually not a bad one. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, it's really not bad. No, no, no. And so, you know, the combi rifle, and we kind of talked about how everybody kind of sleeps on it. It's a, it's a still a very viable option, mm-hmm. but I think people tend towards like the multi-sniper rifle and the HMG. Uh, and because of the yeah, range on the HMG, you know, 8.8% of the board uh, is at minus 15%, right? Because at 0 to 8 <laughs> is minus 3. Uh, 27% of the board is at 0. Um, and then the rest of the board is at plus 3. And that's why HMGs, mm-hmm. I think, are are preferred. Um... <laughs> Sorry. Um, my, my dog th- is throwing his toy against the door trying <laughs> to get me to funny. play with him. Um, um, this is really, really relevant for hacking, by the way. If you so obviously a combi rifle, right, it covers you can picture in your head the um the wide range it covers by thinking, you know, sixteen inches to the left of me, sixteen inches to the right of me, well that's thirty-two inches wide, right? So think about hacking, right? You get eight inches to the left, eight inches to the right, 
eight inches in front, eight inches behind. So it's a very wide bubble of eight inches around you. That covers, uh, if I remember correctly, like eight or nine percent of the board. A single repeater. Yep, yep that's um, correct. Uh, as well you, as if you, yeah, stack two repeaters next to each other, yeah. you're covering like uh, potentially thirty-two inches of width, right? Sixteen and sixteen. Um, it's massive. It's absolutely massive. Yes, uh, <laughs> absolutely. And the the hacking allows for threatening of the board very quickly and that area denial area control especially when we consider that like it's a tag heavy game it's an hi heavy game Mm -hmm. a good Mm -hmm. hacking network from the start limits your opponent's capability just in terms of percentage of the board add Mm -hmm. in your terrain features add in um the verticality of it add in like you can stick uh deployable repeaters to like sides of buildings and stuff yeah um you can do uh, other things like fast pandas with the boost mm-hmm. deployable so your hacking range yep. can be eight inches and then you can uh send the fast panda out eight inches to extend your hacking range by another eight inches um and you can get around corners you can you know and it, it's, it's it's gross it, it's also it's gross. a sphere so it's eight inches <laughs> yeah. up and yeah, down yeah, yeah. and most terrain features aren't eight inches tall um so if you you know get Mm -hmm. a fast panda halfway up the stairs you can hack the sniper at the top of a sniper tower yeah it's true it's true um yeah so should we just sum up like the episode for today a bit um (laughs) why because it's been an hour and 46 minutes yeah no that makes sense (laughs) yeah so so we're talking about efficiencies today and like the core question um, that you need to ask first of all when you think about efficiencies is like what am I trying to be efficient at mm-hmm. and that question is generally answered by the objectives in the mission whether they be shooting controlling space or pressing buttons or a mixture mm-hmm. of all three mm-hmm. um, note that there are often hidden efficiencies in things so we spoke about the idea that like sometimes shooting stuff might not be rewarded by the mission but it's still efficient because your opponent loses orders and they lose things they need to win like specialists for example so sometimes there are hidden efficiencies um Then we can start thinking about efficiencies of individual skills. Like some skills might let you move around the board more easily. That means that you waste more orders climbing or jumping or, you know, whatever, going around stuff. Um, We didn't actually mention terrain, which, again, if you have terrain, you move faster. If you don't, you get stuck. Um, And then there are also efficiencies in shooting, right? And you can make your opponent less efficient at hitting you with mimetism, or you can be more efficient at hitting them with multispectral visors and things like that. So... When you're planning a game of Infinity, particularly as a competitive player, but even like anyone, you just want to think about like, how do I do what I need to do in the fewest possible orders, mm-hmm. essentially? Like, that's the game. That's yeah. really it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and it's about, you know, m- maximizing your maximums and minimizing your minimums. Um, yeah. So my recommendations for list buildings, the so what of this episode would be uh, seriously consider how you're going to deal with mimetism. Seriously, consider how you're going to deal with a tag or tag-like mm-hmm. uh, piece, mm-hmm. um, and then and then consider how are you going to win the mission? Uh, because one specialist at 20 points with infiltration that stays alive and touches a button at the end of the game uh, could potentially win you the game. While you're going to yep. need to deal with the MSV minus three or six thing coming at you across the board. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Infinity mm-hmm. is a game of efficiencies, uh, and we hope some of the things that we've talked about here mm-hmm. um, assist you in your understanding of the core concepts. Uh, yeah. I think next time we're probably going to take a look at. Uh, I'm going to try and do. We'll just probably do every single uh, like vanilla army and talk about like some highlighting profiles, things that are super valuable, and how they play into some of the game theory concepts of. Oh yeah, uh, efficiencies, um, things that would work, you know, in a tournament setting where you need to mm-hmm. develop your strategy, um, and like how, what's the mouthfeel of each of the different armies? You know, what, mm-hmm. why does Yu Jing play different than Pano? Uh, and yeah. do some of the work where we can chew through like a hundred something profiles and go, here's some of the highlights. And if you're trying yeah. to get into Infinity, or maybe here's something that you're sleeping on, give this mm-hmm. a shot. Um, and yeah, then, that sounds really valuable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the fourth ep- fourth episode in this series is honestly going to be a little bit more abstract and uh, like why why is a game of Infinity closer to an art form than it is raw mathematics? Uh, and I think we're <laughs> starting to get there uh, now that we've done the math episode. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. All right, all right. Uh, wow, well, it's been great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, is there anything that you want to say as we close this thing out? Um, no, not really. Just, you know, in Infinity, you want to do what the mission asks and you want to do it quickly. That's it. You know, that's the game. Right on. Um, yeah. So for more on this and many other fun subjects, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, we're the Whip Twelve podcast and we will talk to you next time. See ya.